the Comic News, episode 148. I am one of your hosts, Chris, alongside the Dungeon Master of Ceremonies, Mike. Is that um, is that because you have a mini Cthulhu in front of you? Yeah, it's a Mind Flare, dude. Mind Flare, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, what it is. Them. Look at him. Is that, uh, for people that don't know who my, what a Mind Flare is from Dungeons & Dragons, uh, they pretty much feed off your mind, so... And they look like squid people. Yeah, pretty intense. Yeah, you know, it's casual things you want to run into in a D&D campaign, that and owlbears. Everybody loves a good owlbear. I mean, yeah. Part yeah, owl, part bear. Who doesn't love 3d8 of damage straight to the face? <laughs> Anyways, welcome to the show. Uh, no interview today, but we got a lot of stuff to talk about, I think. Um, how, was your, how was your playoff weekend, watching all the footballs? Um, you know, as good as I can be without any Eagles football on, but uh, not bad. Got some, uh, got back into the grind of putting up, uh, or trying to get rid of old comics, so I've been selling some comics and uh, selling comics, what re- replacing them with other comics, like oh, okay. a huge stack of ROM comics I'm trying to sort through right now, but mm-hmm. you know. The missus thought I was getting rid of them to you know, make the collection smaller. <laughs> no way, tell her. <laughs> Little does she know. <laughs> it's getting bigger. Um, yeah, I've just been pretty much lots of lots of video games this weekend. Um, I got back into Terraria. If you ever played that game, it's pretty good. It's like a little bit. 2D Minecraft, and yeah. it's like... You know, you start playing it, and then you start building with other people, and then you look at the time, and five hours has gone by. <laughs> and you don't know where it went. <laughs> it's one of those games, but uh, it's good just to like sink your mind and do for a little bit. Um, pretty cool trailer dropped this week. Wasn't expecting that, and I think it's only a month away. Lock and Key for Netflix. Yeah, pretty awesome. Uh, I saw some stuff online about like, oh, it doesn't. It might not capture like the goriness and the darkness of the Lock and Key book but i mean there was a scene where like the girls covered in like blood so i can't imagine yeah it it definitely it skips right to the moment where they go to the mansion and uh right lovecraft massachusetts but yep so i'll be interested to see if they deal with the murder of uh the kid's parents or the kid's father mm-hmm. um but you know, only have read one volume so far. Right. I did recognize a lot of that first volume in that trailer, and I saw Makes some sense. stuff that I don't recognize at all. So, mm-hmm. um, it looks cool. I, I hope it's good. I think I think it's going to be real. I mean, um, if you notice that that little uh, the little kid that's playing the boy, I can't remember his name because uh, it's been a while since I've read it, but. He is the he's the little brother that dies in it, the new it series. Okay. Yeah, so it was pretty cool. And it's funny, you know, like Stephen King's son, Stephen King. Yeah. It's all it's all related somehow, I would I would assume. But uh yeah, I think it looks really good. Um I I can imagine they're gonna pull in a lot of viewers for that. I mean, look how quick like Netflix drops a show, people watch it in a weekend and just like word of mouth, everybody's seen it. You know, I think it's gonna be one of those shows. I, yeah, I get the feeling that this is going to have a Stranger Things esque mm-hmm. like launch I to it. Yeah, I, I know it's based on a comic, and I the comic fans are going to come out to see it. But I think a lot of people are going to look at it and go like, "What is this like weird horror TV mm-hmm. show?" and not realize what it is. I thought the I thought it was interesting a trailer, and I guess they have to do this right. Um, they don't really explain the keys right away in the first volume of lock and key no you know, it's not like and it's not like you know here here's all this exposition <laughs> uh, but they have i guess they have to do that for the show and they show a lot of different keys um which you really don't it, it's weird because they don't like open up with that right away in the book so i'm interested to see how that maybe it's more of an adventure and you get to see a lot more keys in the first season i'm not sure but Maybe I mean they did if they did hint at more keys at the end of volume one mm-hmm. to say that like yeah we we saw an adventure that involves this one key but there's more in the building and they do more stuff so I could see like I could see one season going through like two or three books mm-hmm. or you know possibly jumping around two or three mm-hmm. books 
Uh, so maybe that's it. But yeah, I, I don't know if you can... Not to talk bad about the TV audience, but I don't know if you can hold on to the TV audience as long when they're constantly asking, like, what the fuck's up with these keys? Right, yeah. Where, where like, when I'm reading Lock and Key, I'm saying the same thing, but in an intriguing manner, like, what, what the fuck is up with these keys? Like, yeah. I want to know. Yeah. Um, I'm interested to see how they do the, the mind one where, like, you, like, stick it in the back of the person's head and, like, unlock their head. And, like... You can almost like so like you unlock their head and their head peels back away and you see like memories that you can like pull out. I'm, there's a lot of cool stuff they can do. I mean, in the trailer we see the shadows, which is um, like the evil part of the house, and we get the girl in the well. So they're going to do all that, which is yeah, it's, it's really interesting stuff. I think I and like you said, I think it's going to be like a Stranger Things. People are going to be like, "Huh, what's this?" And they'll be like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, I get a good feeling about this one mm-hmm. as far as. Uh, audience retainment and audience excitement yeah have you been watching dracula that dropped on netflix i didn't but i saw that it was there and i am interested in watching it so, so many things have been dropping on netflix it's like man i actually i started um castlevania which is pretty cool yeah. um it's more like an anime but it's uh i mean everybody knows castlevania for the video games but that's a pretty good show as well um we got some really good news this week Probably the best comic book news, comic, nerd news, anything, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Jar Jar Binks, the beloved character from Star Wars Episode One, Two, Three, um, could be returning in the in the solo Obi Wan series. You excited? Why? Why would they tease us with this? Do they think? Are they like? We hear everybody's talking a lot. Like, oh, they 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 must have like. This is what I think. The Disney executive stumbled upon the, that huge like plot uh, that someone wrote about how Jar Jar Binks is like Snoke. Remember that? How yes. like it was like he wrote a whole script or like an essay. They probably saw that and like, oh my god, the fans must love Jar Jar Binks. They didn't realize what a meme is. You know what I mean? Like, so for those of us that are into the are read into the broader Star Wars universe, there is a book series. And Jar Jar is shown in the series as dying alone as a scavenger and beggar on a random planet. It's amazing. That is amazing. Because that's the fate that Star Wars fans want for him. <laughs> the only thing I think this this wasn't like it's gonna be like a buddy cop movie with Obi Wan and Jar Jar. Right. Actually now they say that I kinda want that. Um <laughs> No, but, we got that already. But it, it it wouldn't surprise me if they kind of like lean into what happened in that book and we just kind of see Jar Jar like, hey, it's uh, Obi-Wan and something <laughs> weird happened. I don't know, but it'd be interesting if that's the realm they're going down. But this was just so strange to throw out there. Like, hey, fans, remember that guy that you didn't really care for in the last three movies? Well, he's back. He's back. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's that. Uh, new trailer drop for Birds of Prey. Um, and you know, we, we talked about how we weren't really like too excited. This is a great trailer. Um, I think it's way better than the first one. Yes. Some cool things that come out. We finally get the canary cry, mm-hmm. right? Um, we get the reason they're all teaming up because they all pretty much wrong the black mask. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope, I mean, we have Renee Montoya as part of the crew, right? I hope she ends up like dying and becoming the question like what if they kill her like they that would be an awesome character to like kill off make her become the question and then she kind of like shows up at the end of the movie or something i think that'd be really cool like take that character because like all i all i see right now is a bunch of characters not in costumes or have like any abilities except black canary (laughs) um and you need to make these characters more interesting so immediately like kill renee montoya make her the question do that whole storyline with her that's what i'm asking please dc do that also, another good thing, we see Black Mask in a, wait Black for it, mask. Black Mask. <laughs> so, I, I mean, it looks good. And um, the fight scenes are done by the people who did John Wick. So the fight scenes look really good. Uh, a lot of the action looks great. I think the, the there's a part in the trailer where uh, um, I actually just, okay, so... If, if I would, like, pick a day and you would tell me I'd find, like, a shitty villain reference on a Reddit comment about uh, Snowflake or Snowflame. Do you remember Snowflame? The guy who uh, started Cobain? Yep, yep. Yep. 
Everybody remembers the shitty villain of Snowflake. He is the guy that snorted cocaine, and that's how he got his powers. But his list of powers and abilities was just the guy who was, like, whacked out on coke. Um, so there's the scene in the trailer where they're shooting at Harley Quinn in, like, a, a drug bust. And they hit, like, some some cocaine that goes in the air, and she sniffs it up, and then gets, like, super powered and, like, starts beating the crap out of everybody. And then, like, led to this list of comments of, like, Oh, you get super powered from cocaine, and someone was like, "Wait a second, there's actually a villain." That and I was like, "Oh, I I just love it that people know who this someone someone out there knew who this was." Um, please, I, please let that happen sometime, please. Yeah, but I mean, the trailer looks cool. It looks like a fun movie. I'm gonna go see it. So, yeah, and it looks like in the beginning that Harley like straight up kills kills Joker. the Joker. Yeah, which would be amazing if that's Jared Leto's Joker. Boom, gone. She just blows up Ace Chemical. That would be great. That would just be fantastic. But um, yeah, I'm going to go see it too. It's it's actually uh, funny that uh, my big Valentine's Day plans are to go to a nice dinner and then go see Birds of Prey with the missus because that's what she wants to do. So yes. <laughs> no matter whether I want to see it or not, I'm seeing it. But uh, this did get yeah. me excited for the, the prospect because originally in that first trailer, I was like, oh man, this is going to be awful. But um, this one gave me some things I like. Like you said, the black mask, um, the, the hyenas from the beginning, like the fact that there's hyenas in this movie, I was like, I'm in. I, yeah. Like, Yes, you're doing uh, it right. So a hyena named Bruce. Yeah. So yeah, it looks it looks a lot better. Um, this yep. trailer definitely did it way more justice than the last one did. So mm-hmm. for sure, um, the Golden Globes happened last week, and uh, yeah, the um, the Joker wins best in a performance in a drama and best score at Golden Globes. So that was Joaquin Phoenix, obviously won the Golden Globe, but. Uh, Pretty, I mean, pretty big deal. That means, I mean, whether or not you like the movie or not, everybody could agree that Joaquin Phoenix was an awesome Joker. Yeah, first of all, uh, round of applause to Ricky Gervais. Yeah. Um, <laughs> second, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, like the fact that a comic book movie got to this pedestal. I mean, it's not the Oscars, but right. the Golden Globes are still a big deal. And this could lead to something more with the Oscars. Now... I said from the beginning that I felt like this movie was Oscar bait, and I f- still feel that way. But mm-hmm. and as much as I didn't enjoy the movie, I, I do think that Joaquin Phoenix um, did an amazing job in his role that he was given. So good on him. Um, the score one's a little confusing. I didn't think the score was all that great, but I, yeah, I don't the score. I don't think the score was anything crazy. Yeah, I I also don't know who it was going up against, to be honest. I, yeah. I wish I looked it up ahead of time, but I didn't. The score didn't stand out to me in that movie. Mm. Um, this is pretty cool. <laughs> talking about, we always talk about like the the actors that walk between worlds of uh of DC and Marvel. Uh, Christian Bale is rumored to be joining Thor four. What do we want him to play? Well, I can tell you Ooh. what I want him to play. Okay. I really, really want him to be the head of uh, Roxon. Um, I forget his first name, but Augur, who turns into a giant minotaur. Oh, um, I think it's a good role because it fits Christian Bale, the the actor. If the you know, minotaur, he has the look, and I feel like too that he wouldn't have to put a whole lot into uh, in terms of time and effort. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you'd have to be there for a few rounds of like him as a human, and then when he turns into the Minotaur, you just do a voiceover work. Mm-hmm. But it would be really cool to see that character come in because he played a big role in the um, Thor series that had James Foster as Thor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so th- that was my pick. I've seen people throw around like Kang the Conqueror and Doom and a bunch of others, but who's the guy with the like? Uh... Uh, bullet, uh, bullet Ray Bill or Beta Ray Bills. Beta Ray Bill, yeah, yeah, that'd be yeah. Interesting. A lot of those have been thrown around because most of those don't require him on set. Is why they're being thrown mm-hmm. around. It right. could be like yeah. a Vin Diesel situation where yeah, Vin right. Diesel's in Guardians, but he's not in Guardians. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but he's not in Guardians. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, but I would like to see him play Augur. I mean, I think that's the best. Uh, that, that's just who I would like to. That's mostly who I want to see in that movie because I think it's mm-hmm. a cool storyline. Um, but 
It would be interesting if he was like, I mean, Beta Ray Bill is a cool one too, but if he was like Kang or Doom and he was just the voice behind the mask, that would be interesting too because that would mean we have Christian Bale in the MCU for a long time. Yeah, that would be interesting. Um, I I don't see, there's one more piece of movie news um, that I don't see here, but uh, if anybody remembered the Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness uh, lost the director this week which was the original director from the first um, uh, Doctor Strange, and they left for creative differences. So whatever that means, whether it's good or bad, I mean, we all really like the first Doctor Strange, so obviously it's going to suck. But not the movie, but it sucks that he has to leave. Yeah, I saw that. It sucks he has to leave. Um, spotting creative differences, it's almost weird. Um, I forgot to put that down in the notes because it subconsciously is like my feelings of – it doesn't matter because there's it's, it's it marvel's a machine like yeah it's, it's gonna it's, be a marvel movie either way it's it's kind of tough to say but it's not a place for like to be super creative and artsy like it's a place mm-hmm. to make these movies the way they want them made and to tell the stories they want told so that sucks but i don't think it says anything about the movie itself right um and if we remember uh what happened that man right edgar right yeah. Creative differences. Everybody's like, "Oh my god, how could you get rid of Edgar Wright? He's an amazing director." That Ant Man came out and made a billion dollars, and <laughs> nobody remembered. And two of my favorite Marvel movies of recent memory are Ant Man right. and Ant Man the Wasp. So yeah, so I I think it'll be just fine. Um, that being said, let's jump into the awesome comic news because there's a there's some cool stuff coming from DC. Comics. Comics. That's what we're here for, right? I think I don't know. No, we're here to talk about Christian Bale. We could. I mean... So, The Dark Knight Rises. Yep. Best Batman movie ever. More than The Dark Knight? I don't know. I'm just saying some bullshit. See if I can get uh, it up. <laughs> I mean, I think it's really good. Yeah, I, I just, as a trilogy, I mean, I really love that trilogy. And now I kind of want to go back and watch all of it. But um, all those movies are really good. Yeah, they are. At the time when I watched Dark Knight Rises, I wasn't like... Man, this one's way worse than all the other three, other two. You know, <laughs> like I was like, this was awesome. You got Bane, you got Batman, you got Alfred. <laughs> it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a Batman movie. Yep. <laughs> um. Well, I mean, now that we're down this road, uh, yeah, yeah I, I think the. That movie's not as bad as people make it out to be. There are some yeah. things that are kind of like, you know, he flew away with a, a nuclear bomb. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. But um, as a whole, I do enjoy that movie. I think the biggest sin of that movie is nobody's fault. It's the fact that Heath Ledger wasn't alive to play the role in that movie he was supposed to play. Right. Because yeah. when they have the court and Scarecrow's at the top of the court, that's supposed to be Joker, according right. to Christopher Nolan, and that would right. have been fantastic. And he was still supposed to be like the main villain; like he had a whole plan for Harvey Dent and all this other stuff. And um, but I do have the biggest sin of that movie is when Batman comes back to Gotham, and you know everybody's under a lot under like uh, house arrest or whatever, and. He comes back and he does this big reveal. Oh, you walk out, and the scarecrow's like, "Walk out of the ice and go die." And he, but you know, he gets to Gotham. He doesn't save the city right away, though. He paints a bat in like gasoline <laughs> on the side of the Gotham City Bridge, <laughs> and then for his big reveal, he lights it up. <laughs> Wait, I want to change my answer. Okay, <laughs> the biggest sin of that movie was. Oh, that's what that feels like. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That too. There's some great, there's some good memes from that movie. I mean, overall though, I mean, come on. It's still a Christopher Nolan movie. True and true. Right? Those, that guy can make a movie. Great trilogy. We're going to have to binge watch it sometime. But yeah, yeah. DC Comics news. <laughs> Anyways, we can't make this all about the Dark Knight trilogy. DC news for comics. Um, publisher Dan Didio. Gave a new year address to retailers and discuss Black Label. And we talked about how, how good Black Label's doing with all the crazy books. Uh, the Wonder Woman book, uh, White Knight, <clears throat> Last Night on Earth, Superman, uh, Year One. All these great stories. The Joker story, right? And they said it was, Dan said it was extremely successful for DC. They also said the response to the reaction is better than anything they could imagine. And it, it's awesome. I mean, people people want this. This is what they want. They want stories that 
these creators have like pretty much no limits. There's limits, right? But it it almost takes those stories and pushes them a little further. Um, the I, I think the the adultness, you know, like the language, the bat dicks, it makes um, it makes it more realistic for everybody. Or I, I think people can find something that they. Like, yeah, if, if Batman's punching a perpetrator in the face, he's going to swear at him. You know what I mean? He's not going to say, oh, golly gee. Yeah. Um, and it allows creators to discuss and tell stories about the versions of these characters that they want. So Harley right. Quinn, we are not big fans of, but Harleen, where it's like old school Harley Quinn, is something that we are fans of and yep. was a book I really enjoyed. So it's, it's cool to see them be able to dip their toes in both versions of a character. Mm -hmm. And so basically he made this announcement to say that um, they're not, they won't be soliciting anything until they make sure that the material is going to be coming out as scheduled. They want to make sure that the, um, it's going to be consistent material, that it's strong, that it comes out on time. Instead of just announcing a a whole slew of books, like they did a new 52 and then having to reel back a bunch of them after they're, they're not that popular. So, um, pretty much more of the same thing, hopefully, with this with the Black Label stuff. I th- they've been doing a great job so far. Yeah. Um, they got to keep which, it coming. Which is big because you, you mentioned White Knight. White Knight, if if I'm remembering correctly, didn't start as a Black Label book. It right. actually became a Black Label book. Yep. But the first real Black Label book was Batman Damned. And of no yep. fault of anyone's, except for probably editorial, um, that book had to be... That book was released and then re-released and then pushed and and it just kind of caused issues and it seemed like it fell down that path with most of the books moving forward. So mm-hmm. a lot of the books you read, there was always some sort of delay on it, whether it was a week, two week, two months, whatever. And that's even though the books are good, that definitely does hinder the uh, ability of a reader to enjoy a little bit more, aka Doomsday Clock. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yep. So it's it's good to see that they want to, and I, I wish that all publishers would do this kind of across the board. If it's a book that you know is going to hit, like if you're going to put a book out with Batman, mm-hmm. bank two or three issues before you solicit it. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, it, I, I get why the question maybe you want to release the first issue before you really commit to it, but. It's yeah, they do need to do a better job of just making sure that the books come out as scheduled as promised. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad to see that they realize that and are going to make moves towards it. I agree. Um, so, so, last bit of DC news here colorist Michael Adier tweets a, a yet to be solicited cover for Shazam number 13, which confirms his 13th issue. Um, and it also confirms that Superboy Prime is returning to DC continuity. Ah! It's almost like there's a crisis coming. Oh, there is. There is a crisis coming. Um, and, yeah, how that becomes part of Shazam, I guess we'll find out. But, yeah. Yeah, and not in the notes because it's kind of a non-story, but, like, they did confirm that Scott Snyder and Capullo are working on Dark Knight's Metal 2, or as they're calling it, Death Metal, which is a fantastic name. Amazing. Take my money. Um, but, yeah, like, of course, they've been working towards a crisis for a while. And right. I completely get what they're why they're bringing back Super Prime. Of course, it's a Jeff Johns book because it would not surprise me if whatever Crisis book this is mm-hmm. is a Jeff Johns penned book. They're like, you know, the whole uh, the whole Doomsday Clock thing wasn't working out, so let's just make the Crisis happen in Shazam. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, obviously, uh, how I feel about this right now is that you're. Hinting that Superboy Prime's coming back. Mm-hmm. You've showed us that Dr. Manhattan basically becomes young Clark Kent. Yep. So at some point, there's going to be a crisis, and I guarantee that Dr. Superman is going to have to fight Superboy Prime. Yeah, something crazy like that is going to happen. Yeah. Um, but anyways, Marvel News. I'll find Marvel, it the good news. The good stuff. Marvel is bringing back the Power Pack. Power Pack spinning out of the events of the One Shot Outlawed. Okay, right, right. We talked about Outlawed coming out already. Um, writer Ryan North and artist Nico Leone will bring this five issue series to the shelves. 
Um, I I take back everything. This isn't the good news. Power pack? You're not excited for that? No, not uh, at all. Okay. I, I want to meet the person who is excited for it. <laughs> Come on um, the show. We'll talk to you about power pack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this outlawed book, apparently, like, teenage superheroes are going to be outlawed. Uh-oh. So we'll see, because, uh, yeah, as we go forward. Yep. Uh, New Warriors are relaunching with five-issue series from writer Daniel Kibblesmith and artist Luciano Vecchio spinning out of the events of Outlawed. Okay, so we're getting another book out of Outlawed. Yes. New Warriors kind of cool. You might check it out. Yep. Um, I do want to talk about the fact when all of our last names, most of them come from a fact that when sometime in your past – you had a trade, and your last name comes with a trade. So if you're a blacksmith, your last name was Smith. <laughs> this man's name is Kibble Smith. Now, I'm sure he's a fantastic writer, and this is no offense, but I want to know what dog food manufacturer he his ancestors created. It comes from a long line of dog food. <laughs> no, I'll joke aside, yeah. Uh, New Warriors is cool. I'll check it out. I did see Kibble Smith, and I was like, hmm, <laughs> interesting. I don't know how that works, but also spinning out about Lod is a relaunch of Champions from writer Eve Ewing and artist Simone DeMeo. Um, Champions coming back. Yeah, I like Champions. Champions are cool. Um, ever since uh, Mark, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, Mark Wade uh, brought Champions into our lives years and years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I followed every iteration, and it's just a, it's a cool collection of the young heroes including miles and you know miss marvel and a bunch of others uh trying to do good outside of the typical let's punch the bad guy in the face so Mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see how they react to this and uh yeah so it's it looks like it's gonna be an ongoing too so i'm pretty excited about that cool um, and then we got the other stuff. Uh, N- the Naomi co-writer, David F. Walker, is launching a new creator-owned comic with artist Damian Hill through his own Solid Comics imprint. And that's comics with an X, folks, in case you're looking for it. That's how you know it's cool. Yeah. The Hated is what it's called. It's said to be a black exploitation spaghetti western about the unsung black gunslingers and outlaws from the Old West. Pretty cool. Why not? Yeah, David F. Walker, an African American man. Yep. Um, Naomi's a good book. It sounds like a cool story. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't see much of the art on it when I was reading up about it, but the story sounds cool. It might be worth checking out. Yeah. Why not? It'd be. Definitely. It's also an interesting look at the that point of view from that time period too. Right. Exactly. Which I don't think it's explored. At all, if enough. Yeah. Um, AWA announces Archangel 8 from writer Michael Morecci and artist C.P. Smith. This comic is solicited as a story about a secret war between heaven and hell. Hmm. Sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, Michael Morecci um, from Vault Comics did uh, Wasted Space, which is a book I enjoyed when it was out. Yeah. Um, also a novelist as well, but... Uh, yeah, War Between Heaven and Hell. I'm in. That sounds metal as fuck. <laughs> yeah. I'm still listening to Slayer while I read it, too. So. Reading blood! Angel of Death while you look like. I remember this was like five years ago, but there was that when like one of the Deadpool comics got like rebooted. There was a fight scene. He's like, "Turn on Pantera's Five Minutes of Hell," and uh, and read this. <laughs> so I did. I like blasted the metal while I read the book. I'm like, "This is awesome." Um, My anyway. favorite moment like that was from South Park. Yeah, when all the hippie circles are coming to South Park, mm-hmm. and so in order for them to get rid of all the hippies from South Park, they create mm-hmm. this giant machine to drill through the hippies <laughs> while blasting Slayer out of the. Um, <laughs> That's how you do it. Yeah. <laughs> There's no other way. <laughs> when you need to get rid of hippies, you call Cartman. I'm just, call that's Cartman. just who you call. Uh, one month before issue one releases, Kirkman and Sammy's Kung Fu Comics Firepower 
that's I mean, we talked about this this book coming out. Uh, it gets a prequel. It's an original graphic novel in May to set up the story. So um, I guess that's pretty interesting. They want to. Does this mean? Oh, oh shit. Maybe maybe people are going to be confused. We got to get them this story out before the before the book comes out. Yeah, it's strange that it was like solicited this way. But, yeah, um, it's like a ten dollar OGN. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. For me, it's for me. It's I think I'll order the OGN mm-hmm. before I order the comic, and then see if I like it. Which might be a cool way to kind of be like, all right, if I don't like this OGN, I'm then I'm clear. I don't have to go any further. Where like a normal Kirkman book, I'll give him like five or six issues to draw me in. So right, exactly. Yeah, so we'll see. I mean, I'm a big fan of Kung Fu, so who knows? Kung Fu, Kirkman, Samney. Yeah. What can go wrong? I'll be checking it out. Um, So I guess we'll talk about what we read this week, Chris. Yes, indeedy. I have a feeling that we did not read any of the same comics. Let's. Oh, but you're wrong. We both read Kylo Ren. Oh. Why don't we start there? Why don't we start Kylo Ren number two? Um. Remember the first issue is kind of just a story of how Kyle Ren's a dick. Uh, <laughs> the second one is uh, pretty much how he what his obsession with the Knights of Ren, and I guess we we find out he didn't start the Knights of Ren, right? I mean that's the most important thing here. No, so he met the Knights of Ren while exploring old Jedi temples with Luke as a kid, mm-hmm. and even they saw something inside of him. That would lead him to the dark side. Right. And he, he has a, there's a whole conversation with Snoke. It is weird. Snoke is wearing like a safari outfit. Like he's got like a, like a golfing hat on. Like, you know, they're just out in the jungle together. And it's just weird to see Snoke not like decrepit in a chair, like dying. Um, but they talk about how he doesn't like his name and kind of like the origin of why he goes, why, how he gets red or adopts the Kyle red name. Um, we actually, and then the other half of the story is like you said, him and uh, him and his, and Luke are looking for old Jedi temples, um, Jedi supplies, and they stumble upon the Knights of Ren, and we meet Ren, who is the leader of them, and he's got a cool mask, he's got a red lightsaber, and basically, you know, shouts over to Cal, hey, if you ever want to join us, you ever want to change, it was an interesting fight because he was like. He's like, I, you know, I triggered my lightsaber to blow up. And then Luke's like, I wouldn't try that. He's like, yeah, you're right. I'm going to go now. <laughs> it was such a strange fight. It was just like, okay, yeah, I'm going to head out. <laughs> like, um, but then Kylo goes back to that site to grab the mask. And then, oh, he gets cornered by some Jedi that are saying, hey, you're you're not being cool, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, so- it's the Padawans from the uh, first issue, too, that yep. are from the temple. But, uh yeah, it's a lot of cool stuff in here. I mean, mm-hmm. the fight did end kind of awkwardly, but uh, I like I like that next issue. I mean, we'll get a quick fight, and I'm sure he's going to go meet the Knights of Ren. Uh, we learned in the first issue that in order to join the Knights, you have to basically kill somebody mm-hmm. to get in. So I'm sure we're going to get that sacrifice in the next issue, too. I'm just really enjoying this uh, look back on yeah, the cool. rise of Kylo Ren. Mm-hmm. And the art is really good too. Like those, the, the, like those, uh, those shots of like uh, Luke and stuff like that. Man, really good stuff. Yeah. Um, okay, now we can get to the point where we didn't read the same books. Okay. Uh, Dragonfly and Dragonfly Man, number three, my favorite book. Uh, we, we get the story. So the story kind of starts off. They fight a guy. Uh, well, this is um, this is in like the '60s Batman universe. This is how I like to reference it for everybody. There's a 60s Batman version and then there's the Dark Knight version. Um, basically, the 60s Batman version finds uh, there's a um, he finds out something from the future. And the, the info that he finds out is that when he's out one night fighting crime, his partner dies. And to counteract that, he kind of gives uh, Stinger, who's basically his Robin, he gives him the cold shoulder... And he he replaces him with Lady Dragonfly Man, which he doesn't know yet. But Lady Dragonfly Man is a, is an android, and he's kind of like watching them on the news, and he's getting jealous that they're like you know fighting crime. And and in the midst of all this, Lady Dragonfly gets destroyed, and one of the knights, and 
uh, come to find out, he's like, you know, I knew one of my partners would die, so I replaced you with the android to prevent that from happening, which is like, this is a crazy story. And meanwhile, (laughs) in the Dark Knight universe, there's like a falling out between Stinger and um, that Dragonfly man, and it's it's kind of depressing of like, okay, I don't really need you, or there's definitely some like issues going on, like Stinger feels like he's, you know, always put on the on the back burner for stuff, and it's so that's a little more depressing story than what's actually happening. And you know, this this book is just so good. Um, great stuff coming from that. Uh, Stranger Things Into the Fire number one, which is actually my pick of the week. Um, really good stuff. It can t- if you like Stranger Things, you'll like you'll like this book. Enough said. I mean, it's a side story that takes seven takes place seven years after the events of Hawkins, like the TV show. Uh, it follows two different characters. Marcy and Ricky that both of them in Boston right now. So the, uh, from the Stranger Things show, we found out there's other kids that have been uh, experimented on and they were actually uh, and Eleven goes and finds these kids in the first season or second season. They live in Chicago. There's like they're almost like mutants like they're, you know, they're kind of like a gang. Um, so these two Ricky is almost like an older brother to Marcy. She's she's like 16. I think he's older. And so she's like going from school to school now, trying to be a normal kid. And uh, Ricky is trying to go and find other kids like them and save them. Well, uh, Ricky's um, powers are almost like Jedi mind tricks. Like he can persuade people. So basically they they wait around and wait for news of like other powered people and go look for them. Uh, They end up stumbling upon the group that has um, not number 11, but number eight, who we know from the TV show. Um, And she's with her group from Chicago. And they find out that like, so uh, Marcy had a twin sister that was also experimented on and she's still alive somewhere. And her power is she can create fire. So it's pretty... uh, it's pretty OP, but they're like, they're keeping her drugged up somewhere. And they think that the, um, that the, you know, special government people or whatever they are, have her captive right now. And this is after thinking that she was dead from like the last series. So it's pretty cool. Um, really cool. I mean, it's more of the stranger things universe. If you really like stranger things, you'll like the book for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and hence the name into the fire, you know, her powers of fire. So there you go. Uh, Dollhouse number three. This is that um, the Joe Hill imprint at uh, Hill House Comics at DC. Um, there's a big time jump from the last issue. If you remember, the girl who had uh, who had killed her father is now she was in a um, orphanage. Well, there's a time jump now. She has Alice is actually an adult and she has a one night stand and has a kid. Um, she ends up raising that kid on her own without the father in the picture. Um. Basically, the mother kind of warns her about the dollhouse because, like, the little girl says, oh, yeah, a dollhouse appeared. She's like, don't trust it. She knows now as, as an adult, like, it's evil. Um, well, we know that the one girl who tried to use it in the orphanage died, and her spirit is still, like, roaming around from the dollhouse. Well, um, Alice, her child is is part black. So what happens is this evil spirit goes and finds like some crazy extremist dude who like doesn't, doesn't agree with like interracial marriage and interracial love and all that stuff. And so the end of the issue, like they're getting on a bus to bring her to school and the guy is there and like, he has a, he has a bomb vest on and he blows up the bus and that's how the issue ends. But it like, so the spirit went to the guy and was basically like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a higher being like messing with his head. Like, yeah, you're very religious. Well, like, I'm, I've been sent from God or whatever, and you're, this is your duty. It's crazy like that she used her influence like that. Um, meanwhile, we have that backstory of the 1800s of like how this all started. Um, but the, the guy who originally, the explorer that found the cave, finds out that whatever is in the cave is a demon, so he goes back to try to kill it. So there's some type of, there's something that happens that makes this dollhouse become possessed or and I guess we're finding all that out, but it's a crazy story. I don't know. I don't know how they pick up in the next issue. If they blew the, they blew the main character up in this issue. I guess we'll see what happens, but a uh, pretty crazy story for sure. Um, and then Batman 86, this is the James uh, Tinian and Tony S. Daniel art with uh, James Tinian, the fourth or whatever writing it. Um, 
this is a pretty good issue. Uh, I mean, Tony S. Daniel, dude, his art, so good, mm-hmm. uh, especially in a Batman book. Um, basically, there, Batman, uh, well, there's one thing that's still, Alfred is gone, still, and they talk about that. Um, and there's all this, there's all this talk, the whole issue about how, like, Batman wants to shape Gotham in his own image and make it better. Um, and, like, Bruce Wayne is supposed to be at a dinner party, but he's, like, out capturing five villains that are, that are being led by Deathstroke. And, um, it's, it seems like a typical night for him. Like, he's not coming to the dinner party, but Catwoman is at the dinner party, Selena Kyle, and actually stops someone from, like, I don't know if he was going to try to blow up the dinner party or whatever, but, um, it teases a villain, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Poison Ivy. I'm not, I'm not sure yet, though, um, of, like, and it kind of says that, like, oh, Batman and his own image for Gotham, blah, blah, blah. So I'm assuming it's going to be Poison Ivy coming back. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, as far as, like, first issues go, you get a lot of different characters. You get Batman being Batman, which is which is great. I mean, he's not he doesn't have a mustache. Like, you know, Hawaii Five O Batman or whatever. Uh, Miami Vice Batman. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I'm going to stick with it. It's Batman. I'm going to be reading it. Um, and a lot of the things that Tom King did with his issues kind of sticking like the Alfred being gone and stuff like that. So we'll see how that goes. Glad to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. All right. So, uh, I'll try to be quick. Uh, Venom number 22. This is part two of the Venom Island story. So basically like this Island they're on, there's mm-hmm. some connection that Venom has to it. Um, I'm sure much hardcore Venom fans than either of us know what the connection is, but He's been here before. He's kind of laid it out. There's, uh, there's an arsenal there. There's like places for him to hide, and he's gonna try to fight the symbiote and try to cleanse it from carnage. Mm-hmm. And uh, in doing so, he ends up uh, maiming himself in a way that's gonna change him for a while. Oh, um, I'll leave that for the back. Excalibur number five. This was interesting because it was kind of the climax of everything that's been happening so like we've got gambit and um a few other x-men going to the other world to get these crystals mm-hmm. they're supposed to help apocalypse transform the krakoan uh portals so that he can so that anybody can go in and out of the uh, other world which will help them fight the monsters that are coming through mm-hmm. and uh the crystals they get don't work so apocalypse is going nuts kind of like freaking out on gambit like you fucked up and punching them and doing all this stuff when rogue uh, awakens from whatever kind of slumber she was in and sucks all the energy out of apocalypse which ends up killing him oh. and then we get the last page which is rogue looking like rogue but also looking like apocalypse Uh-oh. and uh we end up finding out this is kind of apocalypse's plan or his backup plan because the crystals are made from old bones that are mutant bones that are ancient. And there's no other mutant in the history of this world that's more ancient than apocalypse. Right. So to have his energy is the same as to have those crystals. So it's interesting because apocalypse is apparently dead now. So we think, um, oblivion song number 23, this was kind of leading, uh, the issue that everything was leading up to where they went into the other dimension they're going to save all the people from it. And of course, something goes wrong. Of course. Um, one thing is like they meticulously planned out things where they were like going in and out of this building for, for the past like 10 issues mm-hmm. and mapping it out so that they had safe ways to escape because they're in this weird prison building that has multiple stories. So if you flash out on the second story, you're going to come to Earth at that same elevation. Mm hmm. Um, so a few people die because they freak out and they like try to flash themselves back and they're like three or four stories up. Oh, um, oh, man. but then there's the big reveal that what was really happening is they want as these other dimensional creatures wanted the humans to keep flashing in and out mm-hmm. so that they could study it because they want to get out of that dimension and take over our earth. Oh. And we end up finding out that they discover how to do it. Oh. So. I really enjoy Oblivion Song. I don't know if you're still reading it or not, but... No, I'm not. No. I, I am still really enjoying it. New Mutants number five. Uh, we basically find out that this mission that the New Mutants are on is a suicide mission. So 
Gladiator sent them to protect this warrior princess in space because X-Men. And at the same time, Gladiator doesn't want her to reach the planet that she's going to. So he sets up his own trap to try to kill her and all the new mutants. Um, And it doesn't go quite as planned. So it's, it's been interesting so far. Uh, let's see, yes. Serpent Wars has been trash. <laughs> Miles Morales, The End. So this is the first book in that The End series that they're doing. And this is in a future where this like plague has taken over and Miles has, along with friends, have discovered a way to keep Brooklyn safe with this like dome. And they have to fight these weird mutated people who are trying to or like taken over by this virus it's a very strange story and i enjoyed it but i don't know how it fits into anything it was just kind of a cool one-off story yeah and it's kind of funny to see miles who's like the teenage the young teenage you know spider-man as an old man with a beer gut (laughs) um amazing spider-man number 37 this was kind of a day in the life of Spider-Man, and it was nice that Otley's back on the art for it. Um, so it's like it's him going through the, you know, like everything's going as it is, and I do this and I fight these people, and this happens, and and him trying to find time to um, still be in a relationship with uh, Mary Jane. Um, so it was kind of like just a a slowdown issue of like this is what Spider-Man's life is like. And it ends with uh, the big, like, I don't even know the guy's name anymore. But the, the villain they've been teasing for fucking 20 issues now. That's got all the, like, weird centipede things crawling off of him. So apparently he's going to be the big bad for the next story arc. Oh, okay. Which will be interesting. Uh, Savage Avengers number nine. Uh, this has Doctor Doom, Conan, and uh, Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. Coming together to fight Colin Gath and try to stop him from bringing this demon to the Marvel Universe. And in so, Doctor Strange gets hurt and is about to die when Doom actually saves him. And how he saves him is he has a satellite that's holding one of his old Iron Man armors because anyone doesn't remember, Doctor Doom was an Iron Man for a little bit there. It was a weird time. I know what <laughs> happened. Um, and it shoots down and kind of cocoons Doctor Strange to heal him and gives us the big thing at the end where we got Doctor Strange, Iron Man, Sorcerer Supreme. So it was kind of a cool little ending to it, and I'm just really enjoying Savage Avengers. It's a cool magic sword and sorcery book inside Marvel lore. Uh, Marvel's X, which is the return of Earth X from Alex Ross and Jim Kruger. Um... Anyone doesn't know Earth X is a book about it's like an alternate universe Marvel story where everybody has superpowers. So this this event happens, we end up finding it's Terrigen Mist, and everybody on this Earth has now been blessed with superpowers. So it's like how do we go about the world where everybody has that? Mm-hmm. This takes place before all of those events, so people are still being affected by this virus and they just think it's a virus. And it's kind of funny because they go into a little bit of the the politics of it, where like everybody thinks that mutants are being are contagious, uh-huh. and like they're starting to like go after mutants in there. Mm-hmm. But it follows this little boy whose family is like one died, one got superpowers, and like he's a big like nerd like you and me playing mm-hmm. with uh, Captain America and Iron Man action figures, and he's like mad that he didn't get powers. So he goes and sets out to. I'm sorry. So after his grandmother dies, his parents die, and his sister gets superpowers, he's like, fuck it, and he leaves to go to New York City because he thinks that Cap and the Avengers are going to help him. Um, So it was a cool intro into that world and what's happening from the ground level before the events of Earth-X, and I really enjoyed it. If you're an Earth-X fan, it's definitely worth checking out. And then my pick of the week, which was The Ruins of Ravencroft Carnage, number one. So this is taking place after everything from Absolute Carnage. And anyone who doesn't know, Ravencroft is Marvel's Arkham Asylum. Mm. And uh, so Ravencroft's been destroyed. They decide that they're going to rebuild it. And 
Wilson Fisk is behind the rebuild. So of course nobody he really trusts it. Well, yeah. he's the mayor, so. <laughs> um, so we get a history of like what Ravencroft is and how it came about. Um, the fact that it's on like the sacred land that's haunted by the natives and all this stuff. Um, and there's a discussion between Misty Knight and uh, Mayor Fisk about like how they shouldn't rebuild it. Should they rebuild it? This and that. And then they end up finding out that underneath the ruins, not only do they find journals from the people who created it, but they find that there's a second facility underground um, that was there the whole time nobody knew about. So Interesting. It was an intro to this whole bringing back Ravencroft and uh, what it's going to do moving forward. So I, I really enjoyed it just because it's, it's something we don't explore enough in the Marvel uh, continuity. Nice. That's all I got. So, Mike, where can people find you on those internets? They can find me at Fortress Ricker on Twitter. Where can they find you and or the show, Chris? Well, they can find me at Fortress Chris on Twitter, or they can find the show at FortressComicNews.com. Uh, remember, everybody, if you're listening to our voices, to give us a five-star review on whatever podcatcher you use. It helps us a lot, and it makes Mike feel good at night. Um, and if you are watching us, to like, subscribe, share, and all that fun stuff, because... It's fun. Um, Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll see you all next week. Bye.